0: welcome to dbp the drunk bitches podcast i'm jamie and i'm sarah each episode we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with
1: each sip so let's get started but first pass the wine bitch
0: let's take a journey with your dbp hosts an adventure perhaps an adventure across the big pond all the way to this little tiny country called luxembourg Luxembourg. So today we're going to talk, just like we did in our Slovenian wine episode, just about wines from Luxembourg, because who the hell knew that Luxembourg made wine? I didn't. I didn't
1: either. They're so small, they get lost. We're They're like, like sandwiched in between all these big countries, and, and just like a dot. I've never
0: seen it. I've never seen Luxembourg wines. So now we know. Now we know. And now we know the secret places to find them here in Milwaukee. But... Yes. We want to talk to you guys about what the hell? When? How did this happen? And what is Luxembourg? And where is Luxembourg? Because let me tell you, I'll be the first to admit that I had to look it up on a map.
1: Well, let's get into it. What are these wines about? I'm All right, about to you pop, pop that. This. Uh, okay. So how do we pronounce oh. this? So this is their um, wine grape that is. Their country wine? It's this their,
0: he, the guy, we went to a tasting specifically for Luxembourg wine. This is their signature wine. And this guy said that the national grape of Luxembourg is called Auxerrois. Auxerrois. And here, in case Auxerrois. you think that I didn't pronounce it right, here you go.
1: Auxerrois, France.
0: There we go. She just said it's so pretty.
1: Auxerrois. Yes, it makes it sound so fancy.
0: I know it does. It's well, way more
1: fancy fancy than like you <sighs> mean the Shiraz, <laughs> your favorite, your favorite accent. Oh, I feel fancier just drinking this because of the name. You so fancy. So this is a white grape, um, and our producer here is uh, Domaine Vis, Vins Moselle, which will kind of. That the name makes sense from where the wine comes from, which we'll talk about. It's a 2015. Um, it's also from, let's see, Cote de Griva Mosher is the, the wine <laughs> biker. By, by the way, it's very like, <laughs> that we're that gonna we're, be butchering. Yep. And it's, uh, like I said, it's a 2015. It's 12% ABV. So,
0: so oh, nice, nice, nice. So, this is, as Sarah said, it's a white, but there are other varietals. They're colors of this varietal, and so we'll talk about that. But first, let's let's pour just some talk wine. Yeah, let's pour some wine. I'll let you do that first. I know, Jamie, you've
1: been really looking forward to this today, huh? Oh yeah, right. it was a it was a crazy day. Okay. Thought I lost my wallet. Guys, don't worry, I found it. She actually thought she lost it at the wine store, <laughs> which is hilarious. I actually <laughs> called the wine store,
0: and she's like, "No, we haven't found anything yet, but call back tomorrow." I was like pineapple and, Ooh, and a, citrus and it tastes like pine It's it tastes like pineapple this is like this is like perfect it's a very uplifting yeah. wine. you know it's like you know sometimes you have wines that you're just like i'm gonna like cozy down and stuff like that this is like a very uplifting perfect for today i just spilled some
1: it's like um <laughs> it's like candy getting, pineapple and lemon hmm. That's like kind of slightly watered down with a little bit of minerality.
0: Little, little Meyer lemon? Is that like yeah. a softer but sweeter? Like yeah. a little bit. It's not, not like, as sour.
1: It's it's a subtle lemon, but it's good.
0: Did you say minerality too? Yeah. Oh my minerality. god. Minerality. I was thinking it. I couldn't remember if And it's it's uh it it's a really it. smooth mouthfeel. It really is. And it actually, it's pretty clean finish. I mean, it lingers a little bit, but um. I think it would pair really, really well with food. Yeah. Overall, I think we were um,
1: surprised by the <laughs> wine that we drank. I think this is pretty good. I don't really know
0: what I was expecting. I mean, <laughs> basically we we go in and we start with like, didn't we start with, did we start we with, started a, with a Riesling. Riesling? Yeah. And already I was like, whoa, dude, you're going to really have to pull something great out of here if you're going to keep us drinking. And I will say that the Riesling was quite enjoyable as well. It was. I would have bought it, except that I already have four Rieslings on my shelf.
1: Hmm. Well, you know. And then we know where to find it now. We now where know. Yep. And then we jumped right into this one.
0: And this is so interesting because it's so unique. I mean, we don't see this. Nope. Anywhere else. And then I think we had a rosé. Mm-hmm. And then we
1: had the, what their equivalent to champagne is, which is Cremant. 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 So we'll kind of get into all that, but... Uh, Luxembourg is primarily a white wine making region. They only make one red, which is, um, Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. So you'll be hard
0: up to find a red. (laughs) I think that's okay. I think that they know what their, they know what their powerhouse is and they're going to stick to their strengths, which is white wines. I can't say I was like particularly impressed with the rosé, No, I I wasn't either. Yeah. I'll be honest. No, this
1: is real. This is really good. The Riesling was pretty good. The Cremant, I'm not into sparkling, so, I mean, I thought it was fine. But, yeah, the Rosé I was not Mm-mm. really impressed with. And that might be because, you know, they don't really do red. So. Right. So where is Luxembourg, okay, Jamie? Sure.
0: <clears throat> So Luxembourg is this tiny, tiny little nook in Europe, surrounded by Belgium to, like, the northwest, Germany to the northeast and all of the east, and France hits the south. So, Belgium actually goes all along the west. It's like a little, I don't know, it's not a triangle, it's not perfect, but whatever. It's a small little nook and it's very cute and <laughs> it's just so adorable. Um, but on the east side, uh, Germany, uh, the border. That went down quick. You have a tiny glass too. That's a true. baby glass. Thanks for making me feel better. You have a baby glass. I have a red wine glass that I'm drinking. Yeah. white wine <laughs> It's okay. Um, but so Germany borders it um, over the Moselle, Moselle River. And so along that river is where I think two-thirds of the vineyards themselves are located because it's prime spot for irrigation and just great climate for, for the grape growing. And that
1: makes sense because that's where Germany makes their wine from the Mosel region. Exactly. So they just spell it a little differently because Luxembourg is M-O-S-E-L-L-E. Mm-hmm. And then Germany spells it M-O-S-E-L. But that's pretty much... They're just separated by a river. Yep. Uh, So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Because everyone's familiar with Mosul wines from Germany
0: for the most part. That's true. I mean, that's that's very true. That's actually what I thought of first when I started looking up this. I was like, are they just misspelling things? But (laughs) obviously not. (laughs) Um, But Luxembourg holds the title of the 28th smallest country in the world. What's the number one smallest country? I don't know. I I should have known that you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't bother. Here, wait. I have a link. But the interesting thing is that it's the 28th smallest, but it is, according to Wine Folly, the most recent uh, publication, uh, they just released, Vatican City is the smallest. I didn't even realize that was actually a country. But Vatican City actually makes wine.
1: Okay, I th- my brain can't comprehend all this right now, so <laughs> we're just
0: going to move on to continuing about Luxembourg. But according to Wine Folly, Luxembourg produces, it's the 51st largest wine-producing country.
1: So do you know in 1969, Luxembourg was number 15 in the world wine consumption, and that was measured in liters per head of the
0: population?
1: 15?! For the twenty for the twenty
0: fifth smallest. Wait, but you mean like the average liter per liters drunk by per person? Yeah. Right, per capita. Okay. That's impressive, Luxembourg. That's impressive. I know. I mean what do they do in their spare time? And not even in their spare time, but drink alcohol. Wine specifically. I know.
1: Tell me about it.
0: It's Mm. kinda crazy. So Mm. this is really good.
1: They you know they might be a small country, but they drink a crap load of wine. <laughs> they know how to have a good time. I guess so. I guess I need to go and find <laughs> out. I mean, I've been to Belgium, I've been to France, and I've been to Germany. Shit, girl. You but just I missed the middle. I missed the middle. It's like Damn the a Triangle
0: in Europe. I gotta go back. You gotta go back. Um, okay, so Luxembourg, we said, is primarily produced along the Moselle River. Um, it's... It's been making wine forever, though. And they they even say, like, back since, like, the ancient Roman times. So this is not, like, a new practice for them. But again, I feel like they've been able to sort of cultivate and figure out what their strengths were. Um, I agree. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, and, you know, maybe I'd be intrigued to know how much of wine was actually imported into the country, but a statistic from 2005, 2006 said that Luxembourg wines were primarily exported to Belgium and Germany. So Belgium took over 82%, Germany 9%. So that leaves only 9% to be shared with others.
1: That doesn't make sense considering how much wine they drink, at least back in 1969. I got that from my, um, my book.
0: This could be, maybe this is similar to the Slovenian thing though, because remember that there were so many like small, like at home, like not really sold out of state. It's not like big, like commercial, commercialism, if you will, for the, the winemakers. And so maybe that's, maybe of the commercial wines, this is sort of the distribution. Okay. Yeah.
1: Potentially. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: So, what about this actual wine we're drinking right
0: now? You said it was part of a co-op? Oh, a co-op. Yeah. So, I guess there are... Again, I find this very similar to Slovenia. So, maybe this is what the small countries do. They Mm -hmm. figured, hell, like, why reinvent the wheel? We'll just model it after other successful ones. So, there are these winemaking cooperatives, and that is sort of put together by um, a lot of different, like, Wine houses, if you will, who I think just employ different vineyards mm-hmm. in order to produce wines for to, to be sold under this broader name. Um, oh, I, I don't really want to say them or try to say them because I'm going to butcher them. You mentioned can, one before, the Graben ma, Macher. I feel like isn't in Germany you go Macher.
1: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure exactly how know. you might say
0: that, but yes, uh Remerschen stat I don't think
1: I don't think you need to
0: really say them all. <laughs> they are just it's too hard. It's fun. It's too hard. Um so they these co-ops that exist source their wines from over 800 hectares of vineyards, which is that is almost 2 thirds of Luxembourg's vineyard surface. And then they sell their wines under this community like label if you will, which is what you described, the Vin Mosel. Yeah. So but the way and we tried looking stuff up, but it's only in French, and French is not our forte. <laughs> uh, but Domain Vin's wait, Domaine Vin Moselle has some more information. Like they have their own website, but we can't really tell like the information about it. So it could be one of these co-ops, it likely is one of these co-ops, but we wanted to get a little more details, and unfortunately, guys you're just going to have to uh, muscle through this without those details.
1: <laughs> so you said hectares. No,
0: hectares don't ask me to we convert.
1: don't see, I can tell you. Oh, good. Yes. So one hectare is 2.47105381 acres. Sounds like you're saying pie. So it's yeah. So it's two, mm-hmm. it's like basically 2.5 acres. It's oh. one hectare. Yeah, that's how they measure things in Europe. It's mm-hmm. by the hectare, not the acre. So <clears throat> I mean, it's still so it's very small.
0: That is pretty small.
1: It's pretty damn small.
0: Yeah, that is pretty small. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Um,
1: so, so what are some of their other popular wines? We
0: talked about Riesling. We are talking about, you know, they were, w- so um, it seems mm-hmm. <clears throat> that one of their very highly planted um, wines is called, this one I did look up how to pronounce too. It's called Muller Turgau. Ooh. I think of Nestle Toulouse, Toulouse. <laughs> friends. Shout out to friends <laughs> Hey beep, beep. Um, So Mouler um Is also A synonym for the other wine That we saw earlier it was Rivener
1: Yes mm-hmm. yep.
0: And then Auxerrois Blanc Is okay. what we're drinking because it is the white um, You have the Pinot Gris uh, Riesling Pinot Blanc um which is a actually a, a mutation of pinot noir um elbling uh pinot noir as sarah said Gewurztraminer and chardonnay gets a measly 1.1% which wow. is amazing when you think of how broadly widely grown chardonnay is here i mean shit wow
1: so i don't know much about some of these that you said But Elbling apparently dates back to Roman times because that's how Mm. long they've been making wine in Luxembourg is since Roman times, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, So it's some of the oldest of the grapes in Luxembourg and it dominates the hillsides of the Moselle Valley. So they're usually lighter, lower in sugar and higher in acid. So I'm kind of thinking it's a very light white wine. I
0: feel like a lot of these wines though are lighter bodied, more acidity, less sweet because... That's the other thing that we learned about Luxembourg. They really don't produce, like, sweet wines. That's, like, not particularly Which their forte. I, I know. <laughs> you had me at not sweet. Yes. Uh, no, that's amazing. And the other thing that I learned, this blew my effing mind. Because yes. while we were at this tasting, we also were scouring the shelves for more interesting mm-hmm. wines. I found this one, and I was like, what the hell is that called? I looked it up. It's actually Oxerwa... Noir. Oh, what's that? It's a synonym for Malbec. Huh. Tell me that's not the craziest thing you've ever heard. Very interesting. So I looked that up and I was like, that is so wild to me. But Auxerrois is originally, as we heard from the pronunciation girl a few minutes ago, it's French. That's where it originated. Um, So we know that Malbec originated in France. And I know that the flavor profile of Malbec in France, especially in Cahors, which is where it originated, is so vastly different than other Malbec flavors. Right. But, I mean, it's like... Oh, it's very It different. should just be called something different. And so, apparently, it is also known as something different. It's so, different. that kind of blew my mind. Um, and Auxerrois Blanc is, in fact, a clone of Pinot Noir. What the... Guys, all these all wines connected. are related. It's all in the family.
1: So, although Auxerrois is the national grape... Yes. Ravanner, or Ravanner, mm-hmm. is actually the one that's most consumed.
0: That's the Müller Tour Tourgo. Yes. Nestlé Toulon. So,
1: um, I guess it's fruity and uncomplicated is what I found from one
0: travel. Fruity and uncomplicated. Wine yeah. It sounds lovely. I know. That's what uh, I want to deal with on a daily basis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, sign me up, girl. <laughs> Um, and then for the Riesling, even though it's also like kind of from the Moselle region, yeah, um, they are less sweet than some of the ones you'll find in Germany. So do we know that Germany does have some really good dry Riesling, they without do, without a doubt. But they also have some pretty sweet Riesling, and I guess um, altogether Luxembourg doesn't produce as much sweet Riesling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's usually a drier wine. And as we learned before, this is a 12%, right? Yep. So our Riesling that we had on our wine tasting, I believe was a 12% as well. Mm-hmm. And we know that if it's above nine or 10% ABV, then it's going to be a drier it's Riesling. It's going to be a drier. Yeah. Whereas if it's less than 10%, that's pretty sure it's going to be sweet. So if you guys are trying to decode labels with Riesling, <laughs> just look at the ABV. That I just taught my and, friend that this weekend. Yeah, and you'll pretty much be able to figure it out if you yeah. can't understand the German words like Spätzle and all that stuff, which means sweet. Yeah, what the hell. But that's usually on labels. But just forget it all and just look at the percentage.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that we learned that stuff at our tasting. And that's the other thing. These tastings are really, really fun. And I always love because, and this is why I would encourage anybody to go to a tasting, just in general. I mean, we have a good time because A, we get to drink a lot of wine, but mm-hmm. and B, we love going together. But also, we learn like these weird little tidbits about things. Yep. And like that trick is something that I put in my back pocket, and it's easier for me to remember than these foreign words. Not to say that I don't appreciate the foreignness, and not that I don't actually want to learn the foreignness and how to pronounce it and what it really means. But that trick right there is the easiest thing for me to do because I will go up in a store and be like, is cabinet, is that sweet? It's not. Or is that dry? It's the middle. It's yep. a medium sweet. Yeah. It's like middle of the road. It could be. It, there are things that I think they say like you can figure out if it's going to be on the drier end of sweet or on the, s- s- I don't know, slightly more sweeter end. I don't know. But I wouldn't know that. I, the ABV is something that is so easy to look at. It's like wine for dummies. It is. I love these things. I know. <clears throat> so, okay. In the spirit of, in this spirit Of, um, I know, Beaujolais Nouveau Day is coming up soon. Yes, let's get into this. So Luxembourg actually has, like, its own special thing, similar to Beaujolais Nouveau. Which, can you remind our listeners what Beaujolais Nouveau is? Sure. What's it all about?
1: So Beaujolais Nouveau is um, basically the winemakers in France who make Beaujolais. Um, They kind of do, it's like the first batch. Mm -hmm. Um, It hasn't really been aged. It's kind of like... Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. So, FIFO. Five, first one in, first one out. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's kind of... It's a celebration. So, everybody in, on November... It's a third
0: th- Thursday
1: th- of, yep. of, of November. Third Thursday of November. So, the date changes every year. Mm-hmm. We may have a celebration, bitches, coming up. <laughs> bitches. <laughs> For Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, anyways. So, they have a celebration and everyone drinks this wine it's like the first batch the first harvest they just go for it like it's not aged it's like let's do this
0: it's like very fruity very fresh very bright highly acidic and you know we talked about it in the sense of millennials yeah very appropriate um but luxembourg has its own similar thing and they have their own first wine of the season sold about 10 days after the beginning of the grape harvest okay thank you and it's called Bison. <laughs> <laughs> that may be, right? That may be wrong. <laughs> so what kind of wine is that? Um, it is a blend of okay. the Ribboner and the Auxerrois. I'm going to okay. be a professional at saying Auxerrois, Auxerrois after Auxerrois. this episode. It feels so uh, fancy. And so it's only available for a couple weeks. It, you know, again, it's the first pick. It just, it's just mm-hmm. It's produced very, very quickly. And it's just kind of put out there. And I feel like people, especially if they're like, they drink that much wine, they like can kind of tell like how wines wines are going to age. And so it says here that this feeder bison uh, is an attempt to give the public a taste of the products for the new year. Okay. And so the name comes from feeder, which means feather. Oh. And weiss, which means white. White feather? Yeah. I mean, it's think about it. It's like light white wine. Ah, right. It very makes it makes a shit ton of sense when you think about it. Very smart. Um, they say it's very very fruity, touch of acidity. Um, it's very refreshing. Oh, I must try it. Wait, so this so, comes out about so first wine of the season. So this is like no, this is like Novemberish probably.
1: Well, October, yeah. November, whatever. I feel huh. like we need to just go to Europe and like at this time of
0: year well, and just I'm like, like it just sounds like. That would be, like, perfect to release, like, around summertime.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So, a few other interesting things about them. They're Cremant. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, that's actually made in the traditional champagne method. But they can't call it champagne, obviously. 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 Uh, But it is, like, they drink it, like, as an aperitif they drink it like with with everything muscles like it's just kind of like all over and it's only it's so cheap it's only like 8 to 10 euros a bottle I go there. see
0: I can't even believe that like that's what really shocked me I mean the cost of it especially if it's made in the same method I the one thing and I'm sure that the grapes that they use because I know like in France like champagne is traditionally made with like champagne or like pinot noir mm-hmm. or something like that there's like a couple other ones that are really popular but I'm assuming that this is going to have, like, the Muller, and or the Rivener, as it's also called, and the Auxerrois Blanc. I mean, it just seems, based on production, that that's what it would be Yeah, largely produced with. But so, Cremant, it's also, they say it tastes a little creamier, too. It's not as... I
1: feel you know, like it was worse. lighter than champagne. I, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not
0: really a sparkling I, what's person. What's funny, so. yeah, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You're a sparkling personality, but not oh, a sparkling wine person. I love it. But so interestingly enough, <clears throat> you said that they drink it like kind of like all over the place and uh, truly you can like, that's like one of the joys about bubbles. And I love bubbles, um, not just because it's faint it makes me feel fancy, but I really do love bubbles. And I do think that it pairs very well, especially when it's something that's more of a champagne or this Cremant, which has I want to say it has less of a fruity flavor. Like when you have like Prosecco or I think Cava, those are going to have heavier fruit profiles. Not yeah. large, Not like crazy. Right. Um, But you're going to have more of that and more flavors imparted. But regardless, bubbles are going to go great with everything because especially if you have fatty foods or spicy foods, like those bubbles are actually meant and the acidity in it is meant to just like Take everything off of your tongue and just like clear your palate cleanse your palate. So it's perfect. Agreed. So why would we drink anything else? No, I'm kidding. Uh sometimes I feel like that actually. But then I think about how much I love red and
1: so something interesting about Cremant as well is you might see other Cremants like that come from France. Yeah. Okay, so Luxembourg is the only country outside of France that can actually use the word Cremant legally. Wait, what? Yes. Why are
0: there so, so many legal things
1: I know. About this? So it's only made from the grapes grown in the Mosul district that we've talked about. Okay. Like you said, it is made from like their common grapes, like the Hmm. Auxerrois and the Riesling and the Elbing and
0: uh, Rivenaer. Oh, interesting.
1: So, but isn't that funny that it's the only one that can be used outside of France?
0: Fancy. Yeah. Well, now I'm super interested. I'm going to go on a hunt, I think. Although I'm sure most people... People don't know that Luxembourg makes wine. We're trying to promote no. that. So, like, That's for like example, amazing.
1: you might see Cremant d'Alsace, and that comes from Alsace. Yep. Okay, their regulations for Cremant are only slightly less than Champagne. Okay. So the quality is pretty good. You know, yeah. not pretty good. It's very good. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, they have all these different regions of France that make Cremant, but Luxembourg.
0: you are so lucky. They're lucky. Lucky Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Lucky Luxembourg.
1: Lucky Luxembourgs. Like so speaking of, uh, you know, wine groupings, talking yes. about appellations, let's say. Oh, yes. So Luxembourg does not really have an Appalachian system because they really only have one wine region. I mean, it's, it's so just, tiny. It's, <laughs> a, it's the 28th smallest <laughs> country in the Shocker. world. Shocker. Okay. Uh, but they do have a national classification system called the Marquet National. Okay. It was established in 1935, and this makes sure that the origin and the quality is up to standard for Luxembourg wine. So producers have to submit their wine to a tasting panel, who can reject the wine, which means you can't sell it. I guess not, or choose to award it a certain status. So there's three statuses. Uh, There's the Appellation Controle, which is the lowest, then. Premier crew or grand premier crew? I
0: we have premier crew. Th- premier. Oh, premier, premier, crew. Okay,
1: ooh, ooh la la. So uh, <laughs> that's that's. I think that that's interesting as well.
0: That's it is really interesting. Wait, so this is the middle one. Yeah, yeah this is the middle one. Oh, nice yeah great job looking yeah uh, yeah we're just like
1: frenching yeah. it up and Germaning it yeah. up and all this those sorts of I'm things I'm from so. Sweden <laughs> no
0: um okay so we talked about Cremant we talked about their varietals I mean again very dry wines not sweet things beautiful but don't they make a uh one yes. okay so the one that you and I struggled with the most yes at our Riesling tasting was Ice Wine, and and I honest, know how folks, expensive it can be. Holy crap! That shit is what was it sixty bucks for like two hundred milliliters or something? It was it wasn't even a half bottle of wine that it they was were insane. Selling. It was so expensive, and I it might have even been like a hundred milliliters. But anyway, we obviously didn't buy it because, bleh. Uh, <laughs> but that. Ice wine is specific to, I think, Elsass and um, Germany mm-hmm. uh, when they make that. Luxembourg, this tiny little country, is just filled with surprises. They have their own thing that is very, very similar. Okay, And it's called straw wine or raisin wine. Okay. Now, the major difference is that ice vine is... is can only be made. It has very, very strict requirements. Um, I think I feel like we talked about this, but like ice find you have to have uh, botrytis-free grapes, so no noble rod. So they need to prune their grapes all of the time. The grapes need to undergo frost naturally. Uh, I think at least two days, and which I mean that's pretty that's pretty risky. And you may not have a, a very large crop. That's the whole thing. Right. Is that. That's why it's so expensive because you have to keep this on. There's all this extra work and, um, you know, I'd say, I don't know, just extra care and love that you have to provide these grapes, but you also have a very low yield and you got to mark that shit up. So straw wine or raisin wine is similar, but the thing is that it doesn't have to frost. So this is better and it's more suitable for warmer climates. And so, it's similar in the sense that it dries the clusters uh, so that they are in fact raisined, but it is drying them. Um they dry the clusters, classic, me- excuse me, classic method. Dries the clusters of grapes on mats of straw in the sun. But some regions will actually dry them under cover or on roofs or on modern racks. So I'm thinking more like a, like if you dehydrate fruit or something. Like right. but that's what you would do. Um so, but some people also leave them on the vine, similar to what is required for ice vine. Um, technique dates back to pre Roman times. Say what? And most production of these types of wines is northern Ili- northern Italy, Greece, and the French Alps. So now Luxembourg has apparently taken on this method and is trying their hand at making this wine.
1: Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, know.
0: I'll put
1: some grapes on my roof. It's, would they stay there? I don't know. It's That's what i would weird. be most concerned about. Like, like you don't know want your crap cover? flying away on modern racks or on a, your roof. Like, what a random thing! I got I mean, grapes on my roof. What if a bird shits on that? Oh. oh, I mean, That's I guess that disgusting. can happen anywhere on any of your grapes.
0: Ew! I don't want to. see <laughs> <something>. <laughs> wait? So those wouldn't be vegan grapes then, would they? Okay. Yeah. Um So <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> that's so disgusting. <laughs> so for any, anybody who actually does want to dry their grapes on roofs or undercover or wherever, on straw mats. Wherever. It's like the yoga mat for grapes. Yeah. These are, because they are raisined, they are going to be the sweet wines. Okay. And And one thing that they mentioned, and I don't know if this is because it's made with maybe different grapes different varietals, but it says that it's going to have a similar, similar density and sweetness to sauterne. Okay. Uh, which I know that you and I had uh, a little taste of that not too long ago. Um, and it has those types of wines, weirdly enough, have a great shelf life. Like when you have aged sauterne, it starts to take on these more honeyed flavors Ooh. and, uh, just deeper, darker, uh, like caramelized flavors Um, So I guess that's what we could expect here. So it's less as abrasively sweet, but I mean, still not a personal cup of tea, but that's a good. I'll
1: survive. Yeah. I think I'm good. (laughs) Um, I'm good. good. (laughs) Something else. If you are interested in visiting Luxembourg and going to their wine country along the Moselle River, then there's several caves, wine caves that you can visit. Um, One of the premier... Makers of Cremont is a winery called Caves St. Martin, or mm-hmm. Martin. Uh, and they apparently, still, again, they're producing in the traditional champagne method, but they have these beautiful caves that are apparently on, you can go to this restaurant on the river after you've tasted your delicious oh, Cremont. And also, they make other wines. Um, so, yeah, it's a Limestone Caves. That have a tasting room filled with a dozen types of wines.
0: And then when you're done, you just walk out on the river? You just walk out on the river and
1: eat eat some delicious food, I'm sure, and drink your wines and like, peace out, homies. I'm good. So what's this Um,
0: wine road?
1: Did we talk about that? No, so if you are traveling, um, then yes, there is a wine road. How do you you pronounce it again?
0: Route du vin. Route du vin.
1: I should know that.
0: Wine road. Hmm.
1: (laughs) That actually like translates to wine road, right? Road of wine. Road of wine. Or road of the wine. I feel like that's like my calling is just to
0: have a road of wine. (laughs) Wait, but in, in Napa, isn't that like the Silverado Trail? I mean, that's... Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that sticks out in my mind. I know that there are a couple, because Silverado Trail runs parallel to something. But so, I mean, consider this small, small country. So it has that, and it begins... I'm just going to pronounce W's with V's because I think it's appropriate. Okay. Go for it. So it begins in Wasserbeleg. Wasserbeleg. At the north end and follows the Mosel River. As it flows along the country's border. Oh, so the wine wine region's capital is Grevenmacher or Macher. Okay, so that makes sense because so that's
1: that, where we're, drink, we're drinking our exactly, wine. Exactly,
0: that's where it appears. Yep. Yeah.
1: So oh, they're saying there's 3,200 acres. Mm. Um, I'm not sure exact. So hectares wise, that's probably somewhere around like, I don't know, 1,200 hectares. Well, if it's too. That.
0: It's probably 1,600 hectares because... No, it's
1: 2.5 or 2.4.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's too much math right now.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, We'll let you guys pull out your calculators and figure that one out. (laughs) It's a DBP test. (laughs) So You guys got it. We're doing this work. You got to do some work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I need to drive over there. You know what we could do? What? We could just do like a European wine drive. You could go from like the Alsace in Germany to the to Mosel wine region in Germany, cross over to Luxembourg. Don't tell me, drink girl. some drink some wine. I mean, later like, jobs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something needs to fund this. I'm just. I saying. mean, that's we also could so take true. Like three weeks off and just do it. That's
0: also true. I mean, I save my vacation there you for go. like a rainy day, so you know, I. I'd be willing to utilize some of those yeah. days. Uh, interesting. Okay, so, I mean, I'm not... Granted, I'm not like a crazy person about soils. Okay. But I think that um, it, it's, it says here that um, the Luxembourg Valley typically has soil that's rich in clay, limestone, and gypsum. I think that's good for Riesling. I Exactly. I actually think that that's good for a lot of these. I mean, Riesling we heard like does well when it has to struggle. But at the same time, I think that when you have this type of soil, you typically get more minerality in the varietals. And I think from what I'm reading, it just, that seems to be like what the status quo is. Mm -hmm. Like you expect to have a minerality, some, some good acidity, some solid acidity there. Not just like something that's like fleeting. It's like, it's, it's really nice which well, the minerality really is definitely here. Yeah. Yeah, it makes these wines excellent pairings for foods.
1: I think this would be great with like mussels or
0: oysters or something totally. like that. I mean, I'm very happy we each bought a bottle of this Oxo okay. Oxo. <laughs> I that's feel like my dramatic just like saying
1: it now. That's my dramatic pronunciation. Oxo. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. So like next time you I mean. really want to impress someone, you just get out about all this and you'd be like, I'm sorry. Have you had some of my Oxo? It's like old spice. <laughs> and they're going to be like, what? What is that? And then you can be like this really cool party wine person.
0: Um, yeah, totally. You know? And then you tell them about all the different things and why it's so similar mm-hmm. to other ones. And like, people you're are like magical. You're, that's your party trick. People are going to stare to in awe. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You can,
1: I think, find this online too if you really want to try it and you're not in Wisconsin or in a place that has it.
0: Get online. Look it up. I think you can find it. So message them. I mean, we learned for well, we have we now have a guy that we can ask. I have a guy stuff. We we have a guy for Luxembourg wines and we have Slovenian wines. We have guys for lots of things. We do. (laughs) That's (laughs) how the little questions (laughs) then. Don't judge. Don't We're judge. talking about wine. Yeah, that uh, still can sound bad, that, but that's okay.
1: Uh, you know what? Just email us if you have questions.
0: We're good about where to find things and such. But so, I mean, these wines, I, I will say, I, I could. They could probably get rid of the Pinot Noir and I'd be fine. I think. I think they really need to stick with what they're. Well, good we at. haven't tried like, the Pinot Noir. We had the Pinot Noir Rosé. Yeah, but, but not the same. I'd still be interested uh, in actually, the Pinot Noir. Actually, fair enough. Fair enough, Sarah. You are right. Because
1: Germany has some good Pinot, Pinot Noirs from in. Mosul. The really? Mosul.
0: Yeah. Oh, I almost bought one the other day. Mm-hmm.
1: They're actually pretty decent. Not all of them, but some of them I are mean, pretty decent. Yeah. It's but, no Oregon, okay? Or Burgundy. Listen. However,
0: if I see a it's not bad Valley Pinot. I'm oh, I'm all over that shit. You know mm-hmm. I am. However, this Luxembourg stuff, I'd say it's definitely worth trying out. I think that for anyone who likes more of these lighter, refreshing white wines that aren't... I mean, well, this is like fruity. Like as you described that, you know, sort of candy pineapple and like Meyer lemon. Like it's like soft, but it's there. It has like a presence, but it's sweet. It's not sweet. It's not like sour. It's, it really is a very easy drinking wine. I mean, I would recommend clearly if you can. Yeah, clearly, I'd recommend if you can find the Wall, That's great. If not, I mean, anything you can find from Luxembourg, I'm sure would be something that many would find palatable. Actually. The Riesling is good. Yeah, I would do if you can't. You know, try the
1: Riesling. I would. I would definitely get a bottle of that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think these are pretty good wines. I think they're nice to drink on a summer day or like today. It's a little bit cold outside, but it's still like. You know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It still, it still <laughs> gives me a happy feeling. <laughs> and you get that fruity, citrusy
0: flavor without the sweet. It's fantastic.
1: It is fantastic.
0: So, well, we encourage you to test out the uh, Luxembourg wine region or dig into it a little bit more. Get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to explore. Adventure is what it's all about, guys. It can... T- actually, you can mentally <laughs> go to Luxembourg while drinking this <laughs> Just, wine. It's like transport. transport your... yourself. To the little tux we, tux. <laughs> we should be watching, like, a travel show about Luxembourg while we drink this. Well,
1: you know, we did find some pages on my World Atlas of Wine that's from, like, 1950, this book. But well, listen, It's, like, 1960-something.
0: Like, no other wine books. The Wine Bible didn't have Luxembourg. Wine Folly didn't have Luxembourg. Or this varietal. Like, I was shocked. Shocked. You gotta go to the I old even stuff checked another book. I have another book. Oh, what? Uh, World of Wine or Wines of the World, also nothing on Luxembourg. And I was like, what the hell, man? Good thing you have this puppy. This World Atlas of Wine. That's wonderful. Yes, I can thank my
1: in-laws for bringing this to me.
0: Yeah.
1: That's really nice. You know, that's where I got my 1969 statistic. (laughs) 65, whatever it was. It was 69. 69. How can I forget?
0: (laughs) All right. All right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening and join us in the future adventures of DBP as we go through the wine world. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com, And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your
1: questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dvpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time,
0: cheers from the girls of DBP.